Welcome back, everyone, to Stay in Your Lane podcast. I'm your host, John Maley, presented uh, by Triple T Transport. Uh, today's guests uh, need no introduction. Glenn Kepke, Joe Lombardo. Uh, Glenn is GM of Network Collaboration for Four Kites, uh, been on many different roles throughout our industry and has settled into, I would say, uh, a sweet spot for the for four kites and also uh, a spot that's really good for you. So I think that's a great fit with your skill set. And Joe Lombardo, Iggy Avenue and Associates founder, um, been with Nestle 20 years, before that Nabisco 10 years. Uh, these gentlemen both are deep thinkers. So uh, today's subject matter is near and dear to my heart. Uh, very passionate about it, and it is going to be strategic versus transactional business relationships and business models. So uh, we'll go ahead and start it off. Uh, Glenn, would you like to start? Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, I think I made a career of staying out of my lane and uh, going all over the place. But uh, yeah, in terms of, you know, just quick synopsis of my career. So I spent uh, 18 years in the, the managed TMS business, so technology plus services, all modes, all regions of the world, uh, and then jumped over to the tech side four years ago. So uh, my entire career has been working with large complex shippers, uh, 3PLs and carriers, personally done bids in uh, US and in Europe across all different modes of transport. And in my focus area is what makes people tick and how do you create a more efficient supply chain? So I think I've heard this. I'm 43 for what it's worth. So I've been in logistics and supply chain, supply chain for 22 years. And you know, I've heard this term of like, it's going to get commoditized probably since day one, since I started. And, you know, my belief is when I retire, uh, it's not going to be a commodity. So I think where I'd love to focus is what are the different types of providers that are out there? And then two, how do you maximize those, right? Whether you're a shipper, whether you're a carrier, asset, non-asset, how do you make the best of that marriage? and create sustainable partnerships that are out there. I would agree. Joe, uh, would you like to jump in here? Sure. Um, again, John, I, I like to think of myself as a thought leader. Thought How's leader. That? Thought leader. I see that, I see that uh, out on LinkedIn all the time. This guy's a thought leader. So I've always <laughs> wanted to be a thought leader when I grew up. Uh, this this topic is very close to me. Um, in fact, the last title I had at Nestle, I was a group manager of transportation purchasing and strategy. First time I had strategy on my business card. So I take it very seriously. The thing about transactional versus strategic shippers, I think at the, at the end of the day, if you peel back the onion, every shipper, be it the biggest to the smallest, every, every shipper has a piece of his business that's transactional and they need to manage it as transactional. Uh, that being said, for bigger shippers, medium-sized shippers, you need to be more strategic in your um, go-to-market strategy with carriers and the way you run your business. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now for my opening comments and, uh, and go from there. Very good. Um, the, the, uh, the strategic part, I think, is, is different for every shipper. And I, th I think that uh, the reason why this is, is always, uh, I think, a viable subject for everyone to always be paying attention and understanding, our business has changed from a technology perspective over the past 20 years. 
And I would say the industry has changed more so than most other industries. Uh, Glenn, you can probably speak to that because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, there weren't many shippers with a, unless they were really large, that had any type of a TMS system. They had the best TMS in the world and the most adopted, which is uh, Excel and a phone call. That was the uh, the best TMS in the world, and many still use that today. And a fax machine. Yes. So let's let's look at this. Uh, throughout all the crisis of the past 25 years, let's say, I'm going to go back. I started in the industry 29 years ago here at Triple T Transport. Um, initially, I would say the first major crisis that, that we started to navigate was the change in fuel at the, at the end of the 90s, where predominantly any truck stop in the United States had fuel between 89 cents and $1.19 a gallon. Okay, and then we saw a jump in the late 90s where fuel started to creep up and we, enter, we entered into the fuel surcharge uh, days, right? So, which have never left, by the way. I think that was the, f the first thing that, that really aggravated our market in, since I've been in it in the past 25 years. Previous to that, there was no fuel surcharge scale, right? Mm, I've got to disagree there, John. Okay. I was I was a young, good-looking transportation analyst in New York City back in the late seventies, early eighties. So two or I, three years ago, Joe. It uh, wasn't that long ago, yes. And <laughs> we dealt with fuel surcharges in the again. That was probably right after the oil embargo in the late seventies. So there there were fuel surcharges. They weren't to the extent that they happened in the in the nineties. But uh, you know, I remember I remember having conversations and. Again, part of my job back then was to file uh, tariff pages. Yeah, I wouldn't have been around then. Um, I was in grade school. So there were surcharges, but then they went away for the majority of they time. They did, yeah. I mean, fuel, fuel went back to you know its normal level, and then those surcharges absolutely went away. Yes, so, that is true. So in the late 90s, 2000s period, we, we really had to adopt fuel surcharge. And we still had shippers that said, you know, I don't want to pay fuel surcharge and, you know, all these things happen. And, and you, as you educate them and as they be, become consistent in our, in our market as, a, as another thing that we navigate. Uh, early 2001 period, uh, UPS strike uh, put a big squeeze on capacity at the time, more than we had seen for many, many years. Uh, we navigated and worked through that. And I would say relationships were still the predominant MO from a business model perspective. Would you agree, Joe or Glenn? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, by, by then, predominantly the phone was still the main use of doing business and, and use the phone more than anything. So, uh, we, you know, along comes the internet and email in the 90s and things of that nature start to come in our industry. Uh, and then we start to navigate away. Previously, I would say that we started doing business with many shippers with a 50-state rate matrix. Do you guys remember those? Yep. Backup matrices. We, uh, in all our contracts, we started to put them in as a, as a catch-all, you know, in case a new facility came up or a new lane. So at least we'd have a rate 
keep on doing business, but absolutely. Yep. So you had you had a, uh, a network and a, a relationship, uh, but it was still, I would say, more relationship driven than technology driven. We get to Katrina uh, in 2005 and we see FEMA step in, which we really hadn't seen or felt a huge impact in our market or capacity from a FEMA perspective. FEMA steps in paying much more than what all of the privatized shippers in the country were paying for freight. That made an impact. We saw many, many of my competitors I saw leave their customers that shipped with them year round for years to go chase the high dollar FEMA freight, which mm -hmm. in all reality is not sustainable business. It's spot business. It's emergency business. It's, it's not something that, you know, you can build your business on. Right. So, uh, we navigated that very well. We didn't, uh, we didn't pursue the, the FEMA short term game. We stuck by all of our clients through that and, and the difficulties that came, uh, picked up additional volume and a nice amount of additional growth by stepping up. But I would say still relationship based business through that time period. Then we get, uh, we get through fuel uh, fuel levels off at the 250-ish range in around 2010, right? Uh, pretty slow, steady uh, market, but technology is really starting to play a bigger part now that we're we're through that. I would say the Katrina era, and we start seeing more and more three-digit zip R RFPs. The next big impact in our industry was CSA 2010. Driver regulations, driver hours, all of these things get, you know, are going to become are going to be in effect and become law for everyone to follow. That would have been mid mid 2017. Okay? The impact of that, I don't know that people realize, the average carrier became 24% less efficient overnight. We felt a capacity squeeze immediately because shippers were now having to navigate and learn that time on the truck becomes more important and what the scheduling is becomes more important because it's going to change your rate from an accessorial perspective. No more is it just a stop off, put as many of them as you want on the truck, right? So we navigate that for a couple of months and then see four hurricanes in 2017, now we're fighting FEMA again, along with the CSA regulations, right? So, you know, there's been other factors that that we have to navigate as we work through these relationships and the change of the industry from a technology perspective. So, at the early years of the past 25 years, in the 2000s, it was more relationship-based than it is today. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah. I would. And Glenn, what's your perspective? I think it. I mean, it depends on how you define the relationship. And uh, I'd argue that the technology that was available was being used, right? And I think you know, generally, I would say that yes, phone call was the technology. There's a lot more, you know, phone time between shipper and carrier. But you know, I at the core. 
that I don't think it's changed personally. Like, yes, there's been other technology and tooling and things like that to drive efficiency. So I guess in general, yes, relationships mattered then. And I'd argue they still matter now. Uh, but a lot of it is dependent on the technology that's available in the, the generation. I'm, I'm going to say the technology allowed for some shippers, I'm not going to say everyone, and I would agree with you, many of them, you know, it didn't change, and many did. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think the technology allowed for more transactional business to happen. My take is it helped create access to more companies that could provide a transactional offering. But I, I think if you, you know, think back 20 years ago, the there was still a lot of transactional business. It was just maybe trucking companies or local brokers that were physically around your plant or your warehouse that built their business on your back. So, you know, you still have the consistent lanes. 20 years ago, you still have consistent lanes, but then all of a sudden a new, you know, new customer pops up or a new destination pops up and they're going to call their local provider that may be, a mile down the road. And so I think my view on that is transactional players have always existed, but the access to options has changed immensely because of technology. Yeah, I would agree. I would, I would agree with that. The technology definitely changed it. It facilitated a shipper's ability to go to a whole different group of carriers that maybe in the past they, they couldn't reach. Um, I remember when I was at when I was at Nestle, we used to I used to tell carriers, you know, you got to have at least twenty five trucks for me to even talk to you. I can't, I, I I physically can't do business with if you got five trucks or ten trucks. But again, when the technology changed, you know, you you could de you could go deeper in uh, in carrier selections. I I definitely want to dig uh, deeper into this. Uh, so uh, thank you. For, uh, one, for joining John, us. John, one point. I'm not that old, okay? I look old, but I'm not that old. You know, Joe, I I, I would have never said something like that. Glenn, Glenn, is he that old? Not at all. I got green hair, too. <laughs> somewhere. Uh, the Silver Fox, we'll call him from now on. We're going to call That's Joe right, the right. Silver Fox. Um, but uh, let's continue this on the, on the next episode, and uh, thank you very much. You're welcome.